Hi everybody. Happy New Year. This new podcast is a great way to start the new year, so join me on my favorite topic, encouragement. 2022, new beginnings. However, the Fragrance of Christ blog is a transition from my WordPress blog, importantstuff.live. There are many posts there on encouragement, so my first series here will be taken from a strange event which I wrote about back in 2016. So get comfy, snack up, and here goes the backbone of what this podcast will feature. Our first episode is called Encouragement. See page 194. God sends encouragement to the believer in amazing ways through His Word. Personal witness can be challenging as we share our testimony of faith to others. Sometimes we don't see the fruit of what we have sown, but never doubt God's authority over growing His gospel. Our personal abilities, opportunities, and circumstances to witness for Him pale by comparison to the power of His Word. Do you doubt the power of His Word in your life? God's Word reaches across both distance and time to bring fruit to the labors of soul-winning believers, as I am about to show you. My father was a Christian who shared his testimony with many people during his lifetime. Although he passed on to be with Jesus, About 40 years ago, God recently used my dad's strong faith to encourage me quite unexpectedly when I found my dad's pocket New Testament lying on a bookshelf undisturbed. I placed it there years ago. The condition of this little Bible is beyond use, as its binding is a rubber band holding the pages together. I thought its only use was a keepsake a cherished memory of Dad. For some reason, I felt led to open the book, just out of curiosity, perhaps, to see if Dad underlined a scripture or left something of him inside. What I found was a treasured message from my Heavenly Father, pointed out by Dad, that brought tearful joy to my discouraged heart. I had recently broken a leg and had been recovering, so it was getting very boring just lying on the couch. But isn't it amazing how God zaps us once in a while with His love? Before I reveal the message, I want to share that Dad witnessed about the Gospel to just about anybody who would listen. He didn't drink alcohol, but would visit the local taverns in town to share Jesus with the bar patrons. He worked in the oil fields of California and Alaska and shared his faith with co-workers, a rough crowd by some standards. He frequently was met with ridicule for being a Christian, but he was not dissuaded. He encouraged some men he knew to put God first in their lives if they wanted to have successful marriages. There were many instances of divorce happening at the time. Alaska was tough on marriages in the 1960s. The lack of conveniences drove many wives to leave their husbands for civilization back in the lower 48. One man in particular scoffed at Dad's notion that God's love could mend a marriage. 
Anyway, that is just a brief glimpse of my father's personal testimony throughout his life. He stood strong for Jesus, was not dissuaded, but now I see evidence in his little Bible that he may have been discouraged at times. So, what did he do about it? Well, it appears that Dad searched out God's word for encouragement, and he outlined God's answer in the Bible so he could refer back any time he was feeling rejected, tired, or defeated by the enemy. I also believe that it was God's plan for Dad to leave the following message so that I would find it so many years later, so that I would be encouraged. And so maybe whoever reads this or hears this will be encouraged to strive to be an overcomer, as Jesus plainly instructed believers eight times in the book of Revelation. When I opened Dad's Little New Testament, on the very front inside cover was his name and the instruction written in his own handwriting. See page 194, in quotes. My first reaction was, really? Some loose pages flew out of the book in my haste to get to page 194. Verse 26 of the Great Shepherd's intercessory prayer for his flock, as recorded in John 17, was circled. Here it is. I made known to them thy name, and I will make it known, that the love with which thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus was the first witness. He broadcast the Father's name and wasn't ashamed. He spoke to thousands about the Father's love for mankind, the very thing he commanded us followers to do. So he never asked us to do something that he never did first. I encourage you to read the entire chapter to learn how great is Jesus' love for us at a time when he was about to be betrayed by one of his own and delivered up for torture and crucifixion he who was without sin prayed for us first and then gave himself up willingly to the cross he sacrificed himself for us not because he was guilty of any crime but out of love for sinners and nothing else if i knew that i had but a few hours to live what would be my priority some are told by doctors to put your things in order if diagnosed with a terminal illness, as if your things are the priority. Some people rush to do the things on their bucket list, those dreams or goals in life that are unfulfilled. But what did Jesus do? He prayed. He gave the Father glory, the number one priority and what we should do first when we pray. Then, he prayed acceptance that his life on earth was done. And then he prayed for us. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you has given me, for they are mine. John 17, verse 9. Jesus became first because he always put himself last. 
This principle is taught throughout God's Word, and if it was the priority for Jesus, it should be embraced as priority by his followers as well. I don't know what my priority will be when my time is at hand to experience passing out of this life, even though I know what it should be. I can tell you that Dad knew beforehand that he would be joining Jesus in heaven soon. Yet he kept his priorities squared away. He gave the Father glory in all things, even though his life was cut short and it may not have seemed fair. He accepted that God's purpose in his life was finished. He had lived his bucket list, so that was done. He prayed for others as church brethren prayed for him. He continued to read God's word as long as he was able. He continued to love others and shared his faith with not only his friends, but complete strangers that he met at the hospital, community, everywhere his journey took him until he passed out of this world and into the arms of his loving Savior. Reading Dad's Bible message is working a new thing in my life. I'm just beginning to appreciate more than ever what a wonderful gift God gave me. What started out as curiosity over a family keepsake has set me on a journey into a deepening reconnection to my Heavenly Father. I'm getting a glimpse of God's love being greater than distance or time and obedience to His will being the priority. There's more to come. Lord willing, as I explore more of Dad's New Testament message in the next one, turn to page 296. So don't miss the next part of the message. And on to encouragement, turn to page 296. Hi everybody, so here we are back in our series of encouragement and we're on turn to page 296. The message I discovered that dad carefully wrote in his little New Testament Bible. So simple and yet so precious. It's precious to me of course because my own dad wrote it, but he wrote it for himself as far as I know, not me. It's only God's grace that inspired the Apostle Paul to write his encouraging letters to the church in Corinth, and only God's divine hand that preserved his word for centuries to encourage us today. Dad was only his instrument, just like Paul. So Dad circled verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that's located on page 296 in his little New Testament Bible. It says, For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. The Apostle Paul explained this statement in detail clear to the end of chapter 9. We all pretty much understand of my own will. Paul was a free man. 
He was a Roman citizen, which guaranteed him certain rights under Roman law to live his life the way he pleased. He was a slave to no man. Americans enjoy similar freedom under our Bill of Rights today. Paul chose to share his faith in Jesus. He was not under force to witness. But what about reward? How does that play out? He explained that all participants run a race, but only one wins the prize. See verse 24. If the race is run willingly, then the participant is much more likely to win. Win what? In this case, souls, dear friends. Yes, more saved souls are the reward. It's not for heavenly crowns, positions of honor, medals, or status as an apostle or church leader. Paul's message of running the race for Christ was written in order to encourage every witnessing believer by teaching the proper way to do it, number one, and number two, the right reason for doing it. I don't know about you, but I'm vastly more encouraged by success than by failure. The Apostle Paul is basically saying, join up and run, but run smart. Don't just run because you learned about the Great Commission and feel compelled to serve Jesus. Yes, it is a very big deal because Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16 verse 15 That makes it the highest priority in this life for the believer. Jesus wants us to know that the stakes are high. I firmly believe that Dad was keenly aware of it. Obviously, he was determined to stay the course, not only to win the race, but like Paul, to bring more lost souls across the finish line with him. But do we share our testimony as just a duty or willingly? Paul cautions, if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. In other words, our master has commissioned us to perform this duty regardless. Our efforts have less chance of winning souls for Jesus if people see that our words lack enthusiasm. I'm sorry, enthusiasm. There's no fire in the belly, no burden for the lost. Instead of achieving reward for more souls saved, we are diminished by the less. The words, I am entrusted, means each believer is accountable either way. In other words, it's the least we can do for our Savior. Are our hearts truly burdened for the lost? Even though we have been freed by the blood of Jesus, have we made ourselves a servant to all? Don't be timid in sharing God's word. We can't all be missionaries serving in foreign lands. God knows that we can sow seeds and reap a harvest for his kingdom right in our own communities. God will provide opportunity because Jesus gave his life for this message to be shared with all who will listen or not. Seize opportunities that the Holy Spirit creates for witnessing. Remember, believers are not only responsible to act on opportunities and then let the Holy Spirit do his work. 
2 Timothy 1 verse 7 is the most encouraging verse to the timid believer. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity in some Bible translations, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. One of my most favorite verses in the Bible. Believe me, it has gotten me through much in my life. Consider the parable of the pounds in Luke 19, verses 12 through 27. A certain nobleman traveled to a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. This could have been Jesus. He left 10 pounds of money, could have been the gospel, with 10 servants. When he returned, he found that nine had increased the master's money or shared the gospel. But one servant had not. He had hidden the master's pound in a napkin. In other words, gotten saved and then kept the good news all to himself, saying, For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Excuses and blaming the master. The master judged the servant by taking the pound or the gospel he had entrusted to him and giving it to the servant who had increased his master's one pound by ten pounds. You know, the sort of guy who's an evangelist. Sort of like taking away what few, few souls may have been surrendered to Jesus as a result of one timid believer and crediting those souls to Billy Graham's service record. Ay, 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 ay. When the other nine servants questioned the master's judgment, he replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as far as the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. I think I have written somewhere previously that God sets aside those who do not serve him. After repeated attempts by the Holy Spirit, to energize a person to live for the gospel, that person may resist, won't let his light shine, has no salt. This grieves the Holy Spirit until God just sets that person aside to live out the rest of his or her life in worldly pursuits, thereby suffering spiritual loss. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be set aside. Thank you, Dad, for circling verse 17 on page 296 of your Bible. Your witness is still bearing fruit. Therefore, if we have Christ, we have nothing to fear when sharing the gospel. We may not be trained speakers, gifted salesmen, or educated preachers or teachers. But if we're empowered with the Spirit's love, we'll be effective. We can't win others through our personalities, persuasive techniques, or promotional campaigns, though the Lord can use some of those things. The real secret is the Spirit-empowered love and power and a sound mind that presents a hope-filled gospel to a downtrodden world. Dr. David Jeremiah Lord, 
May my witness be as powerful as the blasting shofar, and full of your love, not words as a tinkling cymbal. Give me a fearless and sound mind, that I may recognize and respond to the opportunities for witnessing that you set before me today, and know that I believe in your call. I am your willing servant. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's more coming soon of Dad's New Testament message on encouragement. See page 317. So listen to the end and don't miss the next part of the message. Hi, everybody. I took a short break and hope you did too. We continue our series with a segment on encouragement. See page 317. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a man has, not according to what he has not. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12 This scripture reminds me of the humble lifestyle of my childhood. Dad was a good provider for our family, and God blessed us in all the things that count. But there were definitely times when Dad felt that he just wasn't living the American dream. All that changed when God opened new doors in Dad's life. Because Dad was willingly obedient to God's calling, our entire family has reaped the earthly and the spiritual reward for four generations. I remember that Dad regretted not having a college education. I could tell by his conversations with me growing up that he seriously wanted his children to get more education than he had. Yet he was so gifted that he achieved far more in his brief life than I claim for my own life. Having more formal education and outliving him by 20 years. Dad used what God blessed him with by tithing, supporting gospel ministries, reaching Sunday school classes, helping build youth camps and church buildings with limited materials, actively serving as an ordained deacon in his local church, and by sharing God's word with ordinary folks he met in ordinary circumstances. Dad made sure he was the spiritual leader of our family. He declared Sunday as family day and took us to church. Then afterward, he took us on picnics all over the place. He became a pilot and flew us to uninhabited places you wouldn't believe just so we could enjoy hot dogs together on a deserted beach. Then beachcomb until sunset. When he could no longer fly his plane due to health reasons, he made sure it went into service in the mission fields of the far north Alaskan bush villages. Dad really took care of the important stuff. I'm convinced that Dad was called by God without regard for attributes that men would esteem. When I observe believers who share their faith in amazing ways through giving, music, preaching, teaching, charity, caregiving, 
or a myriad of other ways, I am struck by God's love for diversity in his chosen. It must be a very sad thing to God when believers are unwilling to use what they do have in service for the gospel. When we make excuses for not sharing Jesus, it is such a paradox. If we truly believe that we have no skills, talents, or resources with which to share the Bible message, what about our mouths? Wouldn't our verbal skill be better used for glorifying Jesus through witness than for making those excuses? Sometimes God has opened doors of opportunity to me, but when I demonstrated willingness, he shut the doors. Was he just testing my willingness? Was my faith alone acceptable, even though I was poorly equipped to handle the assignment? God is so kind and merciful. He never expects us to do more than we're able at the time. One particular example of God's tenderness was revealed to me personally about 10 years ago. A new job opportunity that I felt was God's will for me came out of nowhere and I accepted the job. I was so excited and hurriedly packed my bags as the job location was in a remote area of Alaska. Then suddenly God let me know that I should not go. I was so confused until I realized that God had slammed that door shut out of love for me. I had been depressed and needed more healing time before leaving home and family. He just wanted to know that I was willing. My readiness was acceptable, but he would not expect from me what I did not possess. Later, God blessed me with complete healing of depression and then opened new doors for service to him. Has your willingness been tested? What do you lack that God is not great enough to provide or help you to overcome? Check out Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Even though I had memorized this verse as a child, I seem to have missed one important word in the verse. The word the. Them who are the called is so much more personal than them who are called. I'm so honored to have a new designation, to be a member of a select group. I am a part of the called, not just called. Talk about encouragement. I feel so dumb that I missed that for so long. Thanks, Dad. There is more of Dad's New Testament message ahead in Encouragement, see page 343. If you don't want to miss the next part of the message, just take a quick break because we'll be going there soon. Okay, we're back on track with the next segment of Encouragement Episode. Dad's Bible has a tiny message written at the bottom of page 317. It says, see page 343. So here we go. 
The verse he circled on page 343 is Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Oh, I love that. We are encouraged to press on. We're not perfect, and we won't do a perfect job for Jesus. But we belong to Him. Jesus continually makes intercession for us in heaven because we are His. Praise God! Our victory is secured in Him through faith. Not of ourselves should any boast. For indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuge or garbage in order that I may gain Christ. Philippians 3 verse 8 Very few of us living in America has suffered the loss of all things for Christ. But crushing persecution was part of everyday life for believers in the early church as it is for believers in many areas of the world today. For who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans 8, verses 35 through 37. The greatest encouragement for the believer is that troubles do not separate us from the love of Jesus. Quite the opposite is true. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eight thirty-eight through 39 No, we're not perfect, but we are to press on, because nothing we do, or don't do, can separate us from our Messiah. He's the one holding us up. We're not holding him up. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, verse 10. The next posting of encouragement See page 289 could also be titled, Oh, by the way. Let's take a look at the title, Encouragement. See page 289. There's no one church leader, prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, marriage counselor, group, 
or Christian friend who has the power to solve a spiritual problem. There's only one truth, the Master Jesus whom we serve. But in what manner are we to serve? Let it be willingly and humbly, with no one believer greater than the rest, and none to be idolized. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians is part of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. Dad actually circled four verses from chapter 3 on pages 288 and 289 of his New Testament. I'm not even going to try to unravel the mystery of it and appreciate the context of the scriptures by commenting on the passage of verses 3 through 9. Chapter 3 was Paul's way of dealing with a bunch of weak believers who Paul referred to as babes in Christ. He was exasperated with them. Evidently, they were more focused on glorifying the missionaries than they were on growing their relationship with Jesus, a fleshly pursuit. The result was disunity, division and strife in the body of Christ. There have been multitudes of believers in history that have been sucked up into the same bowl of beans. I am not at all categorizing anyone experiencing discouragement as a weak believer. Far from it. Paul wrote at length about his own discouragements, and I would not consider him to be weak in the faith. Yet, his strength came from faith in Jesus, not men. I'm also not saying that fellow believers are unworthy of your time when you need encouragement. They most certainly should be of help in pointing you to God's word for answers. There is power in the brethren praying for one another, no doubt. Seek their guidance by all means. Respect their calling. But also listen to what Paul had to say. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving like ordinary men. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely men? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? But servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are equal, and each shall receive his wages according to his labor. For we are fellow workers for God. You are God's field, God's building. Corinthians 3, verses 3 through 9. And by the way, when it comes to encouragement, God's word is the authority. There is no one. Emphasize no one more trustworthy than our Messiah, Jesus the Christ, the living God. No matter what's going on in your life that's causing you to feel defeated, you can take it to him in prayer for peace, resolution, and victory. Believe in his love, grace, and compassion which is sufficient and matchless. Another by the way, 
Although each believer is called, we are called to different purposes according to God's plan. So be encouraged not to try to be God's yardstick. We stumble when we compare ourselves to fellow believers, be they great or small in our eyes. Apollos and Paul were merely servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. And more, by the way, be encouraged by this. But God gave the growth. A farmer plants the seed and waters it, but only God produces the crop. That is supernatural power. The farmer does not own the crop or other laborers in the field. God does. The farmer has no ability whatsoever to make the seed miraculously turn into a mature plant. You are God's field, God's building. The farmer is not to be glorified for just planting and watering. The farmer is doing that for his own benefit. Nothing to idolize there. God owns the dirt. Man is dust. Don't idolize dust. Seek encouragement in your daily walk from the creator of dust through his word. He will take care of you if you just believe, ask, and trust him. 1 Corinthians 3, 21-23 So let no one boast of men. For all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Oh, by the way. Remember that you are Christ, and he is all-powerful. Be encouraged that he is wisdom and is our counselor, our friend, our high tower, our healer, redeemer, and he's mighty to save. No problem is bigger than Jesus. He takes our ugly and wraps it in his beauty. <laughs> Final by the way. The world is watching. We are to be stewards of the mysteries of God instead of behaving as ordinary men. Pray for one another always. If you're looking forward to discovering with me another segment of Dad's message about encouragement, check out the next segment. Well, everybody, that concludes part one of our episodes on the topic of encouragement, titled 2022 New Beginnings. Thank you for listening, and may God bless and encourage you with all His mighty power this year. Love and Hugs, Sharon. <laughs>